0: Jesus was willing to change, to be uncomfortable so that you and I could gain the ultimate comfort. As culture is always changing, culture is always moving. That means that we move with it. It doesn't mean we indulge in sin. It just means that we move where people are before we demand that they come to us. We're going to be a friend of sinners. We need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. One of the things that we teach our children early in life is to clean up after themselves, to put away their toys when they're done playing, or at the end of a day, make sure to clean up their play area so it's ready for them tomorrow. Why do we do that? Is it more than just to teach them good manners? I think it's something that we do to help ourselves, to be honest, because let's face it, If they don't clean up their play area, then eventually their play area expands to other places in the home, like high traffic areas. And it's when you're headed to the kitchen to maybe grab a small little slice of that Wegmans double chocolate cake that's left over from that night, and you discover that your child hasn't put away their Legos or their matchbox cars in the case uh, of our home when we were growing up or when uh, our son was growing up. And we would step on that Lego or step on that matchbox car and we'd go for a ride and it would be something. And you thought when you woke up in the middle of the night thinking about that cake, I'll just have a little slice and then I'll go back to bed. And instead, you go back to bed wide awake or you go back to bed feeling a little bit sore from where you crashed and fell and maybe woke up the whole house. And you start to think, man, I wish my child, my son, my daughter had have put away their toys back into their toy boxes. Well, why do I bring that up today? Well, as we conclude our series, Friend of Sinners, one of the things that we have learned is that uh, Jesus has was always making it critical in his life and ministry to be close to people who were the wrong kind of people. Other people, they were critical of being with the wrong kind of people. They didn't want to do that, but Jesus, to him it was critical because of a very important truth that God is less interested in people knowing that he's right and they're wrong, but that they move beyond that and come home, draw close to him, draw close to his family. And so what we've learned is that as followers of Jesus, we need to do the same. Our denomination, one of our core values, our very first core value is that, is that lost people matter to God and he wants them found. And so it was important for Jesus, it was critical to him that he be close to the wrong kinds of people, to be a friend of sinners, and it's critical for the followers of Jesus to do the same. And so we've talked about how we can start to do that in our lives, especially in this era of tension in which we live, this culture in which we live in today that's being Amplified by the political season we're in with the tension between uh, civil rights and police authority and the tension of the pandemic and all of the stresses that it has introduced, it's dividing us more than bringing us together under Christ's rule. And it's happening to Christians specifically. And so we're talking about how do we organize our lives in a way that when people look at us, we're not dividing things, but we're bringing people together because we're helping them come closer to God. We're being a friend of sinners. We're, we're okay with being with the wrong kinds of people so that they can come home to God. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how we need to listen before we lecture. And last week we learned that it's, we have to give up our comfort sometimes. We have to give up our desire to be comfortable in order to help those who are far from God feel comfortable in talking about questions of faith and spirituality and Jesus and God and so on. And today, I want you to know that, well, sometimes the way we Christians live our lives, we're like uh, toddlers who leave their toys out in high-traffic areas. Christians by enjoying the freedoms that they have in Christ and the things that we want to have in our lives, the things that bring us joy and closer to God can be done in such a way that it's like we leave toys out in the high traffic areas of someone else's journey towards Jesus. And we need to be cautious about that. And we need to strive that we don't, place our spiritual freedoms above other people's journeys of faith. Let me show you what I mean. If you have a Bible with you, turn with me in them to Romans chapter 14. And look at the 13th verse. It says this, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of of a brother or sister Paul is saying be cautious that we don't decide that our Christian freedoms are more important than our brother or sister's faith and the way that he was seeing this show up in in the church in Rome was that people were judging how they practiced their spirituality how they practiced their faith in Jesus and he said when you do that your standard of spiritual living becomes more important than someone's spiritual direction, becomes more important than their spiritual growth. And sometimes that's true of us as well. Sometimes the way that we Christians want to practice our faith can become more important to us than helping people grow in their faith. And Paul says don't. He says focus on something better. He says don't put Any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of another brother or sister. He says that um, uh, you and I are to consider life this way. That if we can do something freely in Christ, but it harms another person's spiritual direction, then think twice and sacrifice. Think twice and sacrifice. He would go on to say in verse 14, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. When Paul was writing to the church in Rome, he was talking about their main issue, food. And food then could have been in a public festival, be sacrificed to an idol, a false god. Maybe it was Caesar. And when that happened, a priest or some religious entity would stand up and he would say, as we receive and start this festival today, let's give thanks to Caesar. It's from his benevolent power and grace and his sovereignty that he has uh, given us this incredible bounty. And so we thank him as we enjoy together. It's like the way we say grace when we receive our food today. And for some, for Paul, he said, yeah, I know that's not true. I know that this food isn't because Caesar is benevolent and all-powerful. It's because of God. So it's not a big deal if I eat this food. But for some others, it deeply troubled them that this prayer would be said. And they said, listen, in all good conscience, I can't take this food. And Paul said, in those situations, I'm not going to eat the food in front of you because then you'll look at me going, what is wrong with you? and you're doing something with the food, you're creating a barrier between you and I as Christians that shouldn't be there. We're creating a barrier in their journey towards Jesus. So, don't do things that you know will harm another person's journey towards Jesus. It's not that we intentionally do this. We are free in Christ to enjoy many things, but If it harms another believer, then don't do it. Give it up. Now, a couple of thoughts just before we get into how do we do this. It's important to understand that Christians can disagree. Disagreement is healthy. It gives healthy perspective. It helps us learn from others. It helps us grow from others. We can be confident that we're doing the best thing that we can to journey towards Jesus. And then someone encourages us to try something in a new way. And it becomes a blessing to us. It takes us further faster, so to speak. And that's a good thing. It doesn't mean what Paul is saying here is that you and I don't always need to agree on how faith should be practiced. But what he's simply saying here is that sometimes Christians give up their freedoms if it's going to hurt someone else's faith journey. They give up their freedoms if by taking part in that freedom is going to wound someone else in their journey towards Jesus. It's going to make it harder for them rather than easier. Now, you may be wondering, how on earth does this relate to me and to us being a friend of sinners? Well, I want to... Give you two reasons why this matters. The first is that we're—I know—we're talking about believers dealing with other believers, and that's this is important for us to understand. But I think this extends to people who have yet to trust Jesus with their lives, because. Everyone is on a spiritual journey. Everyone is on a search for something, a search for meaning, a search for significance. And they may not have come to a place where they've trusted Jesus as the answer to that significance. But as a friend of a sinner, I can help them with the way that I practice my faith, walk towards God or walk away from God. I can do that to believers and I can do that to people who have yet to believe And secondly, the way that I talk about what other believers do can either be an encouragement to non-believers to believe or a discouragement to non-believers to believe. Let me tell you what I mean. Sometimes we talk about other believers in a way that is easily seen or becomes slander and gossip to other non-believers. For example, I um, once was in a Walmart. I think we were buying uh, school supplies for our son, and I was picking out binders and things like that, and I heard two Christians talking about uh, another church in the area. One person said, hey, you still go to that church? How are things going? And the other person said, oh, I don't go there anymore. They do this now. They do... Other practices, they do this, they've changed, they're clearly not really focused on what's important, it's just not, you know, right, and so I'm walking away. Now, imagine. Like all the person was talking about was things like, it was little things like service times and they might have gotten rid of the, the, the Bibles that they gave out in the chairs or the hymnals were now removed from, you know, any, it could have been anything. They could have been changing the carpet. Um, it could have been the way they did kids ministry. I honestly don't remember the issue, but I do remember feeling very uncomfortable listening to these other two people in the aisle over talk about these particular believers at this local church. And if it turned me off the way that they were talking, the way that this person was just passing judgment on their spiritual practices, then imagine what it would do to someone who is not a believer. It would automatically turn them off and think, well, if that's the way Christians talk to each other about each other, why on earth would I want to be a part of that? That's no different than what I get in the work world, that's no different than what I see around me. How is the church different? I don't need more of that in my life. And so what Paul is saying in these verses here is simply that, yes, you have freedoms. Yes, you can enjoy all of the things that help you apply what the Bible says in order to grow closer to Jesus. But sometimes those things hinder other people's faith. And are we hindering or helping others move towards God. You see, the practice of faith is not a specific set of behaviors. It's a wide variety of applications of spiritual principles. And there's a lot of variety in the how. I'll give you an example. We tell people that everyone should read their Bible. And that's true. And some people make it an issue about what kind of Bible they can read. But At one point in history, people didn't have their own copy of the Bible. And so it cannot be that you have to read your Bible in a particular way. Because at one point in history, they didn't have Bibles to read for themselves. No, it's the practice of meditating on Scripture. And what does it mean to put into practice in my life what I had learned this past week from the pastor who preached God's Word? There's a lot of variety in the application of the how. In other words, what Paul is saying is this. Make sure, if we're going to be friends of sinners, and we're going to be friends of Christians, make sure that we are building roads for other people's faith, not roadblocks. Build roads for the faith of others, not roadblocks. So how do we do that? How do we know when our practices, our application of what Jesus is asking us to do is going to be a hindrance to others? How do we then know we need to give that up. How do we practice that? How do we put this into our lives today? Well, Paul gives us two strategies as he ends off chapter 14. He first of all says in verse 19, therefore, let let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food, All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. You and I build roads of faith for other people's faith when we make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification, In other words, if there's conflict, it should be resolved. We could agree to disagree. It could be something that isn't a large concern. But the application is mutually edifying. It grows both us and it grows the other person. It draws them closer to Jesus. In other words, what Paul is reminding the Romans and reminding us is that the big key is the internal things that result from these practices, not the practices themselves. He would say back in verse 17 that the big things are righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not the food and the drink that you eat that proves these things. It's what results from your life. It's not the externals. It's the internals. Jesus said in Luke 6 uh, uh, verses 43 to 45 that no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And he would go on to say that a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Don't focus on the external practices, which usually says you're doing it right or you're doing it wrong. It focuses on the results Is it bringing peace and mutual edification to many believers? That's what you want to focus on. Let me give you an example in everyday life. If your girl, she likes romantic comedy. She she likes rom-coms. Then, you know what? All of a sudden, you need to like rom-coms. You do things you normally don't care for. Because of the people that you care for. We naturally do things that we don't maybe care for because of the people who want to do these things and we care for them. Because of our care for others, we are willing to try things, to try applications of spiritual principles that they think might be helpful. We don't really care about them, but we do it because that's the person who's asking. And if we grow along the way, they grow along the way, it brings us closer together in peace, that is a win. Whether we liked the activity or not. I remember when people used to fight about what translation of the Bible to read And I remember people getting all caught up in whether it's an accurate translation or not an accurate translation. When the goal of all of the paraphrases of the Bible was simply to engage a culture that wasn't actively reading a Bible in the first place. Let's help you get into the the theme of the message. Let's help you translate that. To me, a, a paraphrase was, was no different than a, than a child's Bible that might have more pictures and cartoons than it would have the actual literal translations like the ESV and, and so on. What really matters is that you're reading and studying and applying God's Word. Should everyone read God's Word today for themselves? Absolutely, but there's a lot of ways you can do that. You can grab a Bible and sit down and read it. That's my preferred way. But you can also take it and put it on audio form. You can listen to it and on your drive to work, and you can have that playing in your car, and you can have Scripture playing to you in the car. You can listen to podcasts of people sharing what the Word says and then talking about it uh, and, and, and giving a message, so to speak, a, almost a sermon. As long as you're engaging and meditating and thinking about how do you apply that in your life. That's the critical thing to do. I have my preferred ways. You have your preferred ways. But what is bringing out righteousness and peace and joy? That's what I want to celebrate. For the boyfriend who decides I'm going to like rom-coms, it's because he wants to be close to the girl who likes rom-coms. Right? Right? We do these things, we give up these things, we try other people's spiritual practices because we love them and we can be close to them and we celebrate the righteousness and joy and peace that we want to see in their lives. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't a right and a wrong. There are things that are commanded in Scripture. There are things that we are told are sin, that we are to avoid. We are to take that seriously what I'm saying is that there's a lot of ways to apply what it means to love God and love others well. And the Bible is often intentionally vague on how that should look. Remember last week we talked about how culture is not a pond, it's not static, it's a river. And we need to discover what the best practices are to help people draw closer to God. So look for righteousness Peace and joy, not particular practices. That's what helps make roads for other people's journeys of faith rather than roadblocks. Now, he also goes on to say one other thing. You don't just build roads for other people's faith when you make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification, instruction, teaching, and application but you also build roads for other people's faith when you refuse to major in the minor issues regarding faith. He would go on to say in verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, food, drink, whatever, spiritual practices, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Paul essentially says, just stop talking about stupid minor things. Stop focusing on the little things. After all, what's more important? Food or people? What's, what's more important, your freedoms in Christ or someone else's journey towards Christ? Don't make mountains out of molehills, he says. I'm reminded of um, boats on a water. When I was growing up, there were lakes everywhere. The summertime was just filled with boaters, and there were all kinds of boaters. There were people in, in wave runners. There were people in yachts. There were people on pontoon boats. There were people in kayaks and canoes. There were people in small fishing boats with a small outboard motor out the back, and all of them were boaters. And if one of those boaters got in trouble, people didn't look at them and say, well, you're in a kayak, so I'm not going to help you well, you're in a pontoon boat and that's just a terrible kind of boat so I'm not going to help you. They said, no, you're a boater in trouble. I'm going to come and help you because they were all boaters regardless of the boat that they used. And that's what he's saying too. It's not about the boat that gets you onto the water. It's that you're on the water. Don't major in the minor things of faith. Focus on the big things. Just and the way you do that is to keep the smaller, minor things of faith to yourself. Don't talk about them all the time. Focus on the, the major things, like the righteousness, peace, and joy that we talked about. In other words, you can give up your freedom for another person's faith because a lot of the freedoms that we enjoy are really kind of minor things, minor applications of the freedoms that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, he Paul does go on to mention a warning. He says, you can give up your freedoms for someone else's faith. And he does say that someone who, you know, can try anything, do anything in Jesus' name, uh, that is a proper application and is willing to do that, probably has strong faith. And those who can't eat the food and the meat because they think it's sacrificed to idols and that would be bad for them has weaker faith. He says, listen, It's good for the stronger person of faith to give up their freedoms for the sake of the weaker faith. But it doesn't work the other way around. Don't try to convince yourself that you'll have strong faith if only you try these things that you're not ready for. It doesn't work both ways psychologically, sometimes we try things just to prove that we believe something. You know, we we repeat to ourselves that I'm strong and brave and strong and brave and strong and brave. And then when we get out to do whatever strong and brave thing we need to do, we realize, nope, I'm a coward. This is awful. (laughs) And and we haven't really prepared ourselves. We can't psych ourselves up to have the kind of faith that Jesus wants to give us to free us from some things. Now, and all Paul's saying is, Whatever regarding your faith level is, if you're not sure about something, don't do it just because you want to have strong faith. Do what you believe is right before God. Just don't make a big issue out of it. And make other people do what you believe is right before God or the right application of what God is wanting you to do. Give other people freedom to apply that same truth in a lot of different ways. If you feel guilty for doing something that is okay for other Christians to do, don't do it. Blessed, the NLT, the New Living Translation, would say these last few verses this way. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. Build roads, not roadblocks, for the faith of others. Christian, as we want to be friends of sinners, we need to be willing to give up our freedoms that we have in Christ in order to help other people have a smoother road of faith wherever they are struggling, wherever they might normally find a roadblock from us. Imagine the kind of world where Christians were known from their level of sacrifice out of love for one another. What kind of a world would that be? What if we focused on building roads for other people's faith regardless of how much faith they actually had, whether they had just recently trusted Jesus, whether they've never trusted Jesus yet with their lives or whether they've been a longtime follower of Jesus? Specifically, What would it look like if Christians were to think about peace and mutual edification in the political arena today? What would it look like if Christians were to pursue peace and mutual edification in regards to the current discussions on civil rights and police authority? What would it look like if we decided to keep the things that may hurt other people just to ourselves, the minor things about what it means to be a Christian in navigating the pandemic today. I think we'd look like a friend of sinners. I think the church would look like someone who is interested not just in being right, but in being close and helping people who are far from God draw close to God. I think it would be a group of people dedicated to keeping their eye on the prize who have risen above the tension and the strife and are keeping the main thing, the main thing of faith, that lost people matter to God, and He wants them found. Let's build roads, not roadblocks, even if it means giving up some of the spiritual freedoms that we have so that other people's journeys of faith can go further, faster. Some questions for you as we close. You can discuss them with your family as we wrap up the service today or maybe journal about them this week. You'll be able to find the questions on our website uh, with the sermon uh, that'll be uploaded as a podcast later on this week. Or in your growth group, you can ask and discuss these questions. Here they are. Question one. What are ways that Christians currently make mountains out of molehills regarding issues of faith? Question two. Can you think of a time when you said no to something that wasn't sinful because of how it might affect your faith? Question three. What are some things that you would like to try in order to make every effort towards peace and mutual edification with other believers? What about with non-believers? Let's build roads, not roadblocks, for other people's faith. Let's pray. Jesus, you have given us so many freedoms you have given us so many different ways to apply the truths and the principles that we see in your word and sometimes father we elevate how we apply things and make those things barriers to other people who want to come home to you would you help us lord to not minor in the major or not to major in the minor things of faith but to focus on the big issues, what is being produced in people's lives? The righteousness, the peace and joy that only you can bring. And would you help us to encourage any way for people to find that as they follow you and come home to you? Lord, would you help us as friends of believers to get our house in order to truly love one another and encourage one another in their faith. And would you help us, Lord, to do the same as a friend of sinners. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.